We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? It is that time. I thought, you know, TCOB was fun, but it, it's time to have even more fun right now and, and, and get into this rapid fire. Yes, we've got to take care of rapid fire business now. So Braden <laughs> Lindsay was asked this week if his season has been frustrating. Here is the full phrasing of the question from a legend in his own mind, Angelo DiCarlo. And then you get Braden Lindsay's response as well. What's this season been like for you, though? Obviously, there has to have been some frustrations of, man, I could have had this one, could have had that one, and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. How, is, how has it been navigating that and then finally getting your moment? Yeah, uh, you know, navigating it's, you know, it's business, the world. And at the end of the day, I think I'm in a position uh, where I, I get a free education. Uh, you know, NIL is lovely. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I don't really have much to be frustrated at when I know I get to play for the most story program in the country. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of people who have it a lot worse. So I just try to keep my head high and to be happy. And I, I love being here, and I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to play Boston College. So it's to answer your question, it's it's very easy to be positive because how can I not be positive when I'm representing Notre Dame at the highest level? So what do you think when when you hear that from Braden Lindsay, Jess? You know, I think that is a very mature response. I think that is a guy who realizes kind of where his potential stands and all of the things that he has been able to do with his opportunity to play, you know, football at at the University of Notre Dame outside of actually playing football itself. Like he talked about the education, you know, the the NIL deals that, that have come up. And we all know that Braden Lindsay is a super speedy guy. Um, and there's been kind of more expectations uh, and, and a lack of not lack of, but, you know, his expect expectations compared to what his output has been has not been on the same page. And I think that is obviously frustrating for any you know athlete out there. You, you want to be good. You want to be able to produce. Um, but it's, it seems like based off his responses is he's more bought in on being a team player, whatever it takes for the team to win. He doesn't care about his stats. He just loves the fact that he gets to play football for the University of Notre Dame uh, and, and really contribute to the team any way possible. And I, I really commend him for, for the maturity in his answer because it easily could have been like, oh, you know, I, I wish I had more catches or 
oh, I'm not being utilized how I should be utilized. It was no, I am happy for everything that, you know, playing football has no, at Notre Dame has given me outside of, you know, maybe not being at the personal production level that he would like. Yeah, and I mean, was, then he was going to go to Oregon, and then he ultimately decides to come to Notre Dame. And have there been some up, you know, there have been up and downs in Braden Lindsay's career, but he's never cashed it in and said, well, you know what, I'm going to go someplace else and, and do something different. He has stuck with Notre Dame, and he was given the opportunity to to basically, you know, make excuses or vent or do whatever he wanted, but that's not what he did. And I, and I also found it interesting that he brought up the NIL deal because we don't hear about NIL the way we do with some other schools, you know, whether it's <laughs> A&M or pick your school in the SEC. We don't hear about it as much here with Notre Dame, but obviously there is some NIL at play because he brought up NIL. What did he say? NIL is lovely. You know, it's, it's <laughs> very, it's working very well casual. Oh, the NIL is lovely. Yeah, that's right. It's working well for Braden Lindsay. So <laughs> I think it was a great answer and a very, very team answer. And I don't think it was like a fake forced hiding behind it team answer as well. So great stuff from Braden Lindsay. And I think that there are a lot of that, a lot of those kind of guys on this team. I'm sure that a lot of them are frustrated, but you know they they're they're where they are and and they're sticking it out together. So I think that also is a great reflection on your head coach. I think that uh, that that truly comes from a leader who has convinced you not to buy in, but but basically buy into to the overall success of the team and not really get you know caught up about your own personal success. So I I also commend Marcus Freeman in that respect. That I think that's the kind of culture that he's building is even if you're not the star player and you're still contributing to your team, you're still going to be respected and honored as the star player, because at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're contributing to what matters the most. And that's winning at the end of the day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. 
So we had the questions from Tyler Buckner come up in the chat. We'll go ahead and throw those up there right now. Milton Fan 15 says there have been a lot of SI joint injuries by quarterbacks this year. Quinn uh, Ewers, Tyler Buckner, Bryce Young, but only Buckner had surgery and out for the season. Do you know why? I, I mean, I'm just going to guess that his was probably more severe than the other guys. I think Marcus Freeman said it was grade three when it happened. Now it's his non-throwing shoulder. But, you know, and like, is that what, um, uh, what's his name in Cleveland? Uh, Baker Mayfield had last year. Was his an SI joint, Jesse? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an SI joint. And he was wearing a big kind of like shoulder brace. Um, and, and that's kind of. And it was know, his that, non-throwing shoulder too. Right. And that, that was, you know, that a lot of people contribute that to being part of Baker Mayfield's downfall is, dude, if you're hurt. too. Why yep. are you not, you know, taking the time to recover and, and because you're just going to continue to play bad after, you know, there's already been kind of questions about your performance before. So why put yourself yep. in that situation? And then the other question from C-Mac is if earlier report from today turns out true, Tyler Buckner is way ahead of rehab schedule and practicing in his goals to play in the bowl game, not losing red shirt. Do you let him? I mean, he's only played in two games right now that if he's healthy and if he's cleared, and, you know, and he is that far ahead of schedule. I don't know why you wouldn't. I think that, it, you know, it is it is a bowl game. It is not going to be a college football playoff game. And so it gives you the opportunity. I mean, if you wanted to, you could play both of those guys out there and, you know, and, and like do some stuff. However you want to split that up. You've got a guy in, in Drew Pine who's been out there all season. He can do some things. You've got Tyler Buckner, who was running a different offense, quite honestly, early in the season. I mean, if he's recovered and he's 100%, if the doctors clear him, you're always going to be at risk for, you know, every football player on any given play is at risk for injury. So if the doctors clear him and they say he's 100%, and again, it's his non-throwing shoulder, so you're not going to risk, you know, messing up his throwing shoulder for the future, I, I don't know why you wouldn't play him if you know if if that in, indeed ends up being the case that he's ready to go. This is a very hard answer for me, and it's it's hard for me because there's a lot of questions that I, I, I there's no possible way to know the answer to. Um, first of all, does this does Notre Dame shift their offensive mentality the way that they did when Drew Pine became quarterback? If Pine or if Buckner doesn't get hurt, essentially meaning. If Buckner continues the season, do we still see the same type of offense? It's just Buckner is obviously playing quarterback. And if so, then I would have I would have less reservations about letting Buckner play in the bowl game because I think Buckner, if he's gonna play the similar, you know, style, if Tommy Reese is gonna call the same formations, play sets the same way that he would with Pine. Buckner adds a dimension to the offense that only makes them better because he's better with his feet and yes. we're running the ball with that kind of dominant success. There's going to be more running lanes for Buckner. That's another guy that they have to honor, which on, obviously helps you in the passing game more because of a guy having to be dedicated you know, to Buckner as well in the play-action RPO game. And so that's where I'm leaning towards I would like Buckner to play in the bowl game because it allows the offense to add another dimension. But at the same time, you've built this rhythm with Pine, and I just don't know that if the offense would be called in the same manner of when Buckner is quarterback. And so it, 
And that's kind of my, my answer <laughs> in a roundabout way. Is if yeah. the offense is going to be called the same way, I have no problems with Buckner being played. But if it's going to go back to the offense that we saw against Ohio State and Marshall, I don't want to see Buckner play because that isn't what's going to make this offense successful. No, I, I And I'll get to that. Brandon was asking, even if he can play, even if he does play in the bowl game, can't he keep his red shirt? Yes, it's only his third game. So, you know, if it's if it's just the bowl game, then that's three total for the season. Four is the limit. You can play in four and still keep your red shirt. So he still get you know gets the season of eligibility. So you know, I, I think it's a win win. You know, again, if he's a hundred percent cleared and all that. But I agree with completely with what you said about the offense. We said from the time that we saw Drew Pine, like in successful Drew Pine era, which seems like years ago at this point, in successful Drew Pine era second half of Cal through North Carolina and BYU were like, why wasn't Tommy Reese using this offense with Tyler Buckner? It's It was a completely different look. That's what I want to see. I want to see Tyler Buckner run the same offense that Drew Pine has exactly. been running. And then just like you said, it opens up a different element. There are many different layers. And I don't think in that situation either that you have to be so Tyler Buckner reliant, you know, the offensive line is in a different place. It is head and shoulders better than it was in those first couple of games of the season. Your running backs are in a completely different dimension. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's that's also like when we talk about quarterback recruiting and all this different stuff, this program has to get to a place where it's like, well, if this quarterback is in, this is the offense we're running. But if this quarterback is in, this is the offense that we're running. I understand that each quarterback, especially when you have different skill sets like they have, that each quarterback is going to have some things that are more suited to their strengths. But but I think the program as a whole to continue to get better has to have quarterbacks that like you 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 plug in and you're still running the same offense. You're not running something vastly different just because it's one quarterback or the other, you know, one might still be more mobile than the other, but, but if you're going to be successful, I think you've got to run the same thing. It can't be these drastic shifts the way that we've seen. Yeah. And I think that that as fans, that's the biggest you know thing that everyone kind of belly aches about every year. And rightfully so is it shouldn't matter who who's quarterback, the quarterback should be recruited based on the offense you run, not vice versa. Your quarterback shouldn't be dictating the offense right. that you run. Right. Okay, so Josh Lug said this week that the Notre Dame offensive line's top three goals every year are as follows. Number one, help Notre Dame win. Number two, be the best version of themselves. And number three, win the Joe Moore Award. And so Notre Dame, of course, the uh, Joe Moore semifinalists were announced this week. Notre Dame was not on that list. He says it's disappointing and it's going to fuel them even more this week against Boston College and next week against USC. So what do you think it means, Jess? <laughs> you know, I, I like Lug's response, and I think that that is the correct hierarchy on how you should look at, you know, being a successful offensive line. And I, I don't – him throwing Boston College in there is irrelevant. That was a direct shot at USC because USC is a semifinalist for the, the Joe Moore Award. And I think that, you know, they feel slighted for the fact that they are on that list and they're going to play against a team who is on that list. And so that is definitely fuel that is just extra, you know, fire for them 
And again, you can't look, I think he only threw Boston College in there because you can't overlook Boston College, right? You have to get through Boston College before you get to USC. But that comment was directly, you know, pointed for USC week and the fact that they want to prove a statement that they are the better offensive line and there is no reason that USC should be on that list. And there is a lot of reasons why Notre Dame should be on that list. And before we get too deep into it, I just think it's a joke, first and foremost, that Notre Dame isn't on that list and USC and is USC on is. that list. That's right. Uh, it's, it is it is a head-scratcher for sure. I think if Notre Dame's offensive line had played the way that they have played for, what, maybe the last month or so, you know, like, you know, again, the way they started the season, the first Stanford, were rough. The Stanford game, you know, like why you weren't able to push Stanford around a little bit. You know, again, you can talk about game plan and stuff like that. I think that that plays into it because I think that that game plan played too much into Stanford's strength. But still, like if you're if you're that caliber, if you're that Joe Moore Award caliber offensive line, you've got to be able to maul a team that that came into that game with one win. You know, so I think that those things probably do play against them. If they had played the way that they you know that they've played for this last month all season, I think it's a different story, but you're absolutely right. But maybe it's a silver lining because if you're going to tick off these guys, if you're going to make them feel slighted, like they've got something to prove these last couple of games, I think that's nothing but good for Notre Dame yeah. because they have been really good, but you know, if if maybe that's what it takes to motivate them even a little bit more when you're going up again against a pretty solid Boston College defense, when you look at it statistically, especially, you know, and then against that USC team that they should be able to have some success running the ball against next week. I think it's nothing but good that that, that you're ticking them off and, and giving them even another reason to go out there with some fire in their bellies. I completely agree with that. All right. So Josh Lug, thanks for that. So Boston College considers Notre Dame its top rival. Do you buy or sell the Irish and Eagles playing more often going forward? You know, this this one is tough because Boston College and Notre Dame have only been playing since 1975. They've played 25 total games in the series. Notre Dame leads 16 to 9 and knock on wood. Notre Dame has won the last eight in a row dating back to 2009 and you know I am a big fan of rivalries, and especially when there is a trophy on the line. There is a trophy on the line when Notre Dame and Boston College play you each other. Trophies, I <laughs> trophies are fun, man. Like if you're not playing for, you know, you usually only get a bowl or, or sorry, a trophy for winning your conference and a bowl game. And Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, and you know more than likely they'll be playing for a bowl game. I don't think that. Notre Dame should be like seeking out to play Boston College every year. But if Boston College is on the schedule, you know, consistently, um, I'm okay with it. You know, it, it is another kind of minor level rivalry when you when you take into terms Notre Dame's kind of big overall rivals, uh, bigger picture. So I know it means more to Boston College. But to me, I have no problem with, you know, keeping them on the schedule pretty consistently as long as you're not like, oh, we need to play Boston College every year. You know, that kind of situation. I'm okay with consistently rolling Boston College through the schedule and keeping this kind of, you know, rivalry intact going forward. It's funny because this quote-unquote rivalry, whatever you want to call it, which again means more to Boston College than it does to Notre Dame, 
it more or less took the place of the Miami series that, you know, Notre Dame used to play Miami. That went back a long time. You know, it, it heightened in the eighties when Miami was good, but they played every year, Notre Dame and Miami from 1971 to 1990. And then it went away in 1990 and Boston college and Notre Dame had only played three times prior to 1992. Then from 1992 through 2012, they played 19 times so that, you know, they started playing a lot once they did away with the Miami series. So, you know, again, that they kind of bumped Boston College up and gave them a chance. And, and that's what turned it into that rivalry. And obviously beating Notre Dame in 1993, you know, really <laughs> early on took it to another level. It's it's along the lines, and I think you kind of alluded to this, it, it means more to Boston College than it means to Notre Dame. So, I'm fine with it being what it is right now. Since 2015, this is going to be the fifth time that they have played them. So they're playing them, what, like every, you know, not quite every other year. They play them enough. I, I think that it is enough. Be, because of this ACC agreement, they're going to play Boston College. I would rather see them play like a Clemson, like we talked about last week. I'd rather see Clemson on the schedule more often if you're going to, like, prioritize or maybe you even come up with like a pod system where like there are certain teams that Notre Dame is going to play more often. But I've got no problem with the way they're playing them now. I don't think they need to play them more because, again, it means more to the other side than it means to Notre Dame, especially when you're not playing every year. It's it's never going to mean as much to Notre Dame as it means to the guys in, in those other colored uniforms. So I don't I don't necessarily want to see them play more. I'm fine with the way it is right now. I thought that DT Roll Hunter made a very good point in the chat. And he said, I don't know what the four for 40 means, but MSU, Michigan State, Boston College, alternating would be a solid rotation with Purdue. And I think that's a great idea when you have Michigan State, who they haven't played in a while, you have Boston College and Purdue. Hey, those, you know, me, I like those three trophy games right there. You rotate them, you know, every third year. And you're you're keeping these kind of consistent, you know, kind of old these these rivalries that you've had, you know, maybe more so in the past that you're kind of bringing back, you know, to the to the current times or to the future. And they're, they're rivalry games. There's trophies on the lines and you're consistently kind of playing these teams uh, and, and rotating them. I think that's a great idea for teams that you don't get to play, you know, as often, but still kind of continuing these kind of what you might consider lower level or not as, you know high-level uh, rivalries that Notre Dame might have currently at the moment, like USC, for example. Yeah, I concur. I concur. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the Big Ten West standings have four teams sharing the division lead with four and three records. It's an embarrassment. You know, we, we I you know how I feel about the Big Ten, so we'll get into it right now. The the Big Ten West, first of all, the Big Ten East is frankly kind of a joke to me. You have two teams at the top uh, of Michigan and Ohio State. They haven't played really anyone else, you know, the rest of their schedule. Brian and I ripped on Michigan last week for their out-of-conference schedule of Colorado State, Hawaii, uh, and, and UConn. Like, that's your out-of-conference schedule, really? The, the schedule was so dumbed down that Jim Harbaugh could just say, well, we're going to start one quarterback in one game, start the other quarterback in the exactly. other game. He had we'll open tryouts for his quarterbacks yeah. in the mid, in, in the beginning of the season. So you in know those season. games are hard when you can have quarterback tryouts, right? And so that's the big, big 10 East in a nutshell. Like, Ohio State has inflated numbers, but it's like they don't play anyone either, right? And then you go over to the Big Ten West, and they're even, you know, even weaker 
than I uh, than an already perceived weak Big Ten East. And so it's just always a cakewalk at the end of the season for whoever comes out on top of the Big Ten East because the West never provides, you know, any any sort of resistance. And that's what's annoying. I in order for me to have respect for the Big Ten, I need a, an elite team to come out of the Big Ten West, an elite team to come out of the Big Ten East. Because I at least know that the Big Ten East is going to be challenged multiple times per year. And, and frankly, it's not just going to be a regular season kind of, you know, victory. It, the, the, the Big Ten championship should matter. And the West is consistently weak. Iowa plays good defense, but their offense is always bad. Wisconsin, kind of same, you know, same story. There's never, in my opinion, a team that has, you know, prominence coming out of the West, at least, you know, what's felt like the last 10 or 15 years. You know, it's funny because like a couple weeks before the USC UCLA news broke this summer that they were going to the Big Ten, the one of the things that the Big Ten was going to look at, I think they were going to bring it to a vote, was getting rid of divisions for this very reason. Like, like look at what the Big 12 does. And I think the Pac-12 went to this this year. Yeah, as well, like, Get rid of divisions so that you have your best teams playing for championships yep. at the end of the season. If you're going to have a championship game, make it matter. Don't have it be one really good team against some team that happens to win a division where random lines are drawn to determine who's in the, you know, in, in the divisions to begin with, when obviously you've got Ohio. I mean, wouldn't the Big Ten championship game be that much more fun if Ohio State and Michigan were playing like again? Yeah, it'd just it would, be a rematch every year. The college football playoff on the line in that game. Yeah, and then what becomes sticky about that situation is what if Ohio State wins one and then Michigan wins the other? It's like they beat each other, True. and now they've got you know potentially one one or two losses come you know between the between the two of them. And it's like okay, who do we pick potentially? <laughs> To, to go on to the, you know, earn kind of that playoff spot. So I'm right. with you. I, I want to see one big pool instead of, you know, two two divided up pools that has one completely weaker side on the other. If you truly want your conference to have a conference championship where the two best teams are represented, you have to go to just one big pool instead of two divided pools. Completely agree. Completely agree. It gets tougher, though, the more you start adding to it. you you almost need divisions because you've got so many but it's like not everybody plays you know you're in the same conference to begin with and obviously you're not playing each other every year so I just think that it makes more sense to have one team and then you figure out what's your rotation of games that you like how many you know how how often you play these teams how many years you know like some of these other conferences have done it where you know they're start, where they're talking about it where it's like you're going to play the, Basically, I think it's the ACC in the proposal that they were looking at. Like you're going to play everybody twice in a four year, like in a four year period, you're going to get a home and home with everybody one way or the other. But there are going to be some certain schools that you're going to play every year still to preserve some rivalries and, and those kind of things. So I think there's some ways you, that that they can do it. Again, expanding your conference makes things a little bit more difficult, but there are ways to do it. And I think that everyone should just get rid of the divisions, get the best teams in the championship game. Definitely. So after Ole Miss lost to Alabama last weekend, someone tried to give Lane Kiffin the old, will always look on the bright side of life treatment with a, with a question. Here's the exchange at Kiffin's press conference. 
135 yards against one of the better rush defenses in the country. I mean, you know, just kind of assess just what you saw through him just throughout 60 minutes. Yeah, I don't, guys, you know, this is, let me just explain it really well. I don't really give a shit about how many yards we had, <laughs> how close the game was. We didn't win the game. And two years ago, we walked off this field, and I said, we didn't, hear, we didn't come here to cover spreads. We didn't come here to play what at the time was the number one team in the country close. So all these things about, well, you did this, good, and, you, and freshman running back, rushed, it doesn't matter. We didn't win the game. So, you know, maybe some other places that's good or it's been here and good in the past. It ain't good enough. We came here. To win, to beat Alabama, we didn't do it. So we're 0-1 um, today. I just like little old Lane a little bit more <laughs> all the time. What do you think, Jess? You know I'm a big fan of Lane Kiffin. <laughs> and this only supports my case for everyone out there. You know, this game, it, first and foremost, there's no moral victories at any loss. At the end of the day, you're there to win the game. And when you're a school like Old Miss and you're ranked and you're beating, you know, that game means a lot to Lane Kiffin outside of playing an Alabama team who Ole Miss hasn't had a lot of success with recently. And the fact that you want to beat, you know, your mentor, essentially, you know, Lane Kiffin was under uh, Nick Saban's wing there for a while after, you know, some unfortunate situations that happened at USC. Um, and so it only means that much more to you, right? Like that game meant a lot to Lane Kiffin outside of just wanting to beat a good team. And, and some of the stuff that I just kind of talked about um, um, there. And, and I just, you know, the number one thing, um, in my opinion, is, you know, hang on a second. I lost my, my train of thought. I you know, <laughs> There was something else in that Coke earlier today, wasn't there? No, there's just, I, I can't, I, I don't know why, but I lost my train of thought. I, I really like, you know, the approach that Lane Kiffin is taking. Oh, it came back to me. The, the, the real reason why I think that, that Lane Kiffin wasn't taking moral victories in this game is Ole Miss was a one-loss team, right? And their only loss was to LSU. And when when Alabama is reeling, they're at two losses, you want to cut their throat. You want to give them that yeah. third loss, and you want to advance as a one-loss team and put yourself in that playoff picture. And that's – sorry, I, I don't know why my mind lost that for a second, but I think that is more importantly what Lane Kiffin was thinking about in that situation is he knows – what the difference between a one-loss team and a two-loss team when it comes to overall pictures. And so uh, moral victories against Alabama while suffering your second loss, there's really nothing that, that comes from that. You had to win that game for the bigger picture of your overall season. Yeah, I, I mean, I think people were trying to give Nick Saban some moral victory stuff early on when he got to Alabama, and he wasn't buying it either. And I, I just like the attitude, you know, like exactly if, if you want your program to be climbing, then that's the attitude that you've got to have. No moral victories. We're not sugarcoating it. We're not here for, for you know, getting getting our medals for for playing a close game with Alabama. Either we win or we lose, and and they lost. And I, I really do. You know, I've said this before. I I think that 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 he's really may, and maybe that time with with Nick Saban there in Alabama is part of what triggered it. But he's he's really a different coach at this stage in his career than than he was. What was that? Fifteen or so years ago when he was just getting started as a head coach. Yes. Final question for tonight. There's been Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cowboys talk this week. Buy or sell OBJ in a Cowboys uniform? I, you know, you asked me this question, I think, a couple weeks back, and I was all sell because of the drama that OBJ can provide. And, you know, we've all seen 
the nightmares that that OBJ kind of creates in the locker room. I just think right now, no, or sorry, the Cowboys need some sort of second wide receiver threat right now. You know, CD Lamb is doing what he needs to do. Um, but you know, Gallup isn't quite back, you know, from his injuries. Noah Brown is is a good wide receiver, but he's not he's not a legit wide receiver, too. You know, they drafted Jalen Tolbert. He's he's showing that he's not ready. And that was shown last week when he couldn't even line up, you know, on the line of scrimmage and he cost them a big penalty, you know, there in overtime. So to me, I'm really I am willing to roll the dice on a guy like OBJ, especially when Dallas is trying to make a playoff push towards the end of the season, right? And, and they need a legit, you know, wide receiver number two if they want to make that deep push into the playoffs. I, I think that they've established enough with their offensive line and the, and the ability to run the ball. Now I just think they need that passing threat outside of CD Lamb. They need another guy who consistently do it. OBJ has the experience. You know, he 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 rode out with the Rams late last season and got them a Super Bowl. I think that that is a, a role that he can definitely fill with the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Henry I agrees. Start, I think you need to start putting Jesse Styers featuring Henry on your, <laughs> on your little and Henry on, your, on the screen. That's right. Everything you outlined, they need a number two receiver. They don't have one. You know, they they made that stupid trade. And I, I realize why they did it, trading Amari Cooper to Cleveland. It was a salary cap dump. But look what they're left with. They they they, they moved money, but they also moved a real talent. And besides C.D. Lamb, they have no receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. is the best option out there. Obviously, assuming that he's going to be full health and all that kind of stuff. It's going to take some time. Assuming they're going to make the playoffs, you've got some time once he gets in there to kind of get him up to speed. They've got to have a number two guy because they don't have a number two guy right now. Like Noah Brown, when he was healthy, was better when Cooper Rush was in there, but that's because they were both practice squad guys together a couple of years ago. They've, they've got to have a number two guy that they don't have right now. And so so I'm I'm for it as long as he's healthy. Tommy Guns, have they mentioned what TCOB <laughs> late to the party? Yet? And and Derek says taking care of Buckner, right? I mean, <laughs> taking care of business, Tommy. Taking care of business. You might have to go back and listen to the full show if you jumped in late. That's what TCOB is all about: taking care of business, whether it's sung by Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight great stuff as always from you jesse of course we'll be back saturday morning ib countdown to kick off uh from 10 until around noon and then we've got a 2 30 kickoff of course saturday in what is going to be a frozen tundra at notre dame stadium i'm curious to see if we get any actual snow accumulation on game day i think that could be fun it's been a while since we've seen that same. And I just want to throw out there because I don't I, I am not yet included in the Irish breakdown weekly picks. I want to throw my pick out there right now. I want to give my prediction. This is the last okay. time people will probably hear from me until, you know, after the game. I got a 41 to 13 Notre Dame victory over Boston College this weekend. And I feel very confident about that. I did not pick a lot of points for Notre Dame. I feel like maybe I picked a little bit heavy on Boston College's points, but then I said Saturday that I felt like I probably picked too many points for Navy, and they ended up scoring more than I had them <laughs> in my prediction. So 
Uh, I think our predictions go up on the uh, the website tomorrow. So, and of course, we do our predictions on the show as well on Saturday. And Tommy says he drove through the snow snowstorm up here last night. Did you see? Um, uh, your boy, um, Barstool guy, was in South Bend yesterday. Really, Big Cat? No, not Big Cat. The other guy, Portnoy. Oh, Portnoy was in South Bend. I'm the guy he, who does all the pizza testing. Or yeah, testing. yeah. Well, you know the rules. One, one bite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, if, I didn't see. I saw him tweet. He tweeted a picture of the Notre Dame South Bend exit sign. Uh, I'll have to go look at his Twitter and see if he actually stopped by at any of the pizza establishments and did the one bite <laughs> test or not. It's it's funny because Portnoy is a U, University of Michigan graduate, so he has ah. nothing but hard feelings for the University ah. of Notre Dame. So I can't imagine that. that he had you know any inclinations to stop by the university um, or anything like that. But I was curious because Big Cat was in uh, Toledo this past weekend for the Battle of I seventy five, Bowling Green in Toledo because believe it or not, Big Cat was honored a key to the city by the city of Toledo um, and was recognized by at the University of Toledo. So I thought he was venturing his way back uh, and stopped in South Bend. But in, interesting to hear that Portnoy, uh, you know, kind of mentioned, mentioned South Bend because of those reasons, a University of Michigan graduate. But my question for you is before we get going, if you're David, if you're Portnoy and you have to recommend one pizza spot to him to, to you know, for, for South Bend's finest, what are you going for? And I know it's not Barnaby's. You're not a Barnaby's guy. So what are we going with? I here? am a Barnaby's guy. We get Barnaby's <laughs> like Barnaby's see like a lot of people like Brian, like the Rocco's and I've never been a Rocco's fan. I've had it a couple times. I don't think it's that great. Um, it's tough between Barnaby's and um, Bruno's. Those are like the two that I like the most Barnaby's and Bruno's and they're they're both different enough yes. but in the same way they're both good enough that I like them both so it's it's tough for me to choose between the two I yeah which, which one would you go with no it, that's that's what it comes down to me because obviously Bruno's is the more kind of small size you, know, you, eat, you eat like four or five six seven small pieces the little squares but then the the Bruno's is that thicker you know kind of heavier not a lot of sauce, a lot of, you know, heavy toppings, cheese, bread, pepperoni, sausage. I like, me personally, the pizza I lean towards, I have to go with Bruno's. I really like it a lot. I don't like a lot of sauce. I think Bruno's does a good job of really highlighting their ingredients and giving you a lot of them. So for me, I got to go Bruno's. Good topping. Like when you get the toppings, there's a lot of toppings on there as well. All right. We got a lot of Bruno supporters in here now. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to ask Vince what he says because, <laughs> and Sparks Sparks says Bruno's as well. I'll have to see what Vince says because Vince is typically a fan of anything free when it comes to food. <laughs> but I'll see, see if his taste buds actually lead him in one direction or the other. Vince, as soon and as he hears the word free, it's the best food out there. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Hit that like button, if you would, on your way out tonight. Great to uh, be with you once again. Final show of this week. Again, it's going to be, it sounds like, an abbreviated next week next week because I'm going to be out of town for a majority of the week and the holiday and everything else. We will be, um, we will definitely have the show Monday, though. And, of course, we've got IB Countdown to kick off Saturday morning. So we will talk to you uh, on one of those, hopefully. So that's going to do it for tonight. Again. Like, 
comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Do it. Tommy says, come on down to... I still don't know how to say that. Massian. Get Krauses. All right. I'll be in Columbus this weekend, so there's there's potential. Head to Columbus. All right. We will talk to you later. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. <laughs>